0: the objective to deliver the nba to you like no other news play breakdowns power rankings storylines you never hear talked about anywhere else it's all straight shots here fired by straight shooters s and gun this is the objective basketball podcast hello everyone welcome to the objective basketball podcast s joining you Lauren here as always um Lauren I'm not gonna lie to you so so this awards prediction stuff uh and you know us giving our picks mm-hmm. it has been stressful yeah it has been really stressful because this year of maybe more than any other year is just open to so much debate. Yeah. There is you could go the games played route and say, "Oh, well, you know, these guys haven't played enough games, so we should reward the people who have played enough games." And I think especially with the CBA negotiations happening in the background of this, the whole games played argument has amped itself up to the 10th degree. Definitely. But then there's also the contracted incentive department of this, the, "Hey, there's money on the line for people, for players." When it comes to these selections, I know a while ago ESPN had that graphic with Jalen Brown, Pascal Siakam, and I believe it was another player. Maybe it was DeMontis Sabonis. It was DeMontis Sabonis. Mm -hmm. And it was like, these guys would lose out on this much money if they don't make an all NBA team. And it was like in the 50 plus million dollar range. It's like Jalen Brown Mm -hmm. would lose like 70 million. Pascal Siakam potentially loses 80 million. DeMontis Sabonis might lose 80 million. So like, there are real life tangible consequences to these decisions now ladies and gentlemen it's good in a sense because Lauren and I do not have a vote we do not have an MBA vote so our picks our predictions don't you know really matter at all that much <laughs> but we appreciate you guys tuning in what a way to what a way what to a sell way. this podcast yeah folks we actually don't matter. <laughs> no, I'm I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um but listen, no, in general it was just tough. It was tough to to make these selections, make these decisions. Um and yeah, it's going to have huge, you know, basketball related implications for a lot of these guys. Lauren, did you go any certain way when you were picking the all NBAs, the all defenses, the you know, like did you go a certain way? Did you approach it in a certain manner?
1: Yeah, I think All more specifically with all NBA, I went some, I mean, and I always kind of tend to go this way And this year, like you mentioned, for, for certain reasons is a little bit different than, than other years. It's more open, but games played and team record is always going to hold a lot more weight with me. I mean, I, I am never going to be the person that looks at just the numbers, even the advanced stats and says, okay, that's good enough for me. I need to take everything into context. And so more so, I would say even looking at guys all second team versus all third team that came into play right. for some for some guys specifically, and we'll get into that later, even their team success maybe wasn't even enough to overcome what some of these other guys are doing numbers wise. So on one hand, it's something that I greatly take into consideration, but at the same time, If your team is very good and maybe towards the top of the West, but what somebody's doing numbers-wise is just the best year of their career, it's hard for me to overlook that as well. So it's kind of a double-edged sword, but something that will always, always, always weigh heavily on my mind is the team success.
0: Okay, fair enough. I think it's – you know, baseball is in a weird position because you can, with all the advanced numbers that they have in baseball – somehow yeah. specifically derive how much impact that player has on the team's record. Like g- Genuinely, you can do yeah. it, especially if it's a pitcher and they're not playing every single game, so you can know in the games they've played versus the games they haven't played, and then you can tell. But with basketball, there's, there, we haven't reached that level of analytics yet. And maybe we never will. Maybe, maybe, I mean, who knows? But like in terms of, I, I personally wouldn't like it to be like that because then it's cookie it's cutter. Little, it's like, yeah. it's like, oh, we know who the best players are. It's just about getting them the awards. Um, I think when it comes to the NBA, there's a little bit of how we contextualize impact because I could sit right here and tell you that Nikola Jokic is leading the NBA. Actually, he's not leading the NBA anymore. It's Jakob Pertle, by the way. Uh, but but
1: <laughs> just had <laughs> but to slide that in there?
0: Yeah, I had to slide that in there. But no, I could tell you right now that Nikola Jokic for the majority of the season was leading the NBA in plus minus. And because of that, he's the most impactful player in the NBA. And you know, I could I would probably be right in that scenario. Mm-hmm. But is that is that a case against Joel Embiid? Is that a case against a Sabonis who is who has revolutionized the Sacramento Kings here. Mm-hmm. And and I know his plus minus isn't as crazy. And his his impact on the court for the Kings is seismic, but is it as seismic as Jokic for the Nuggets? And obviously it is. The answer is yes. Jokic is a, is a leap ahead of what Sabonis is as a player. My point is finding ways to contextualize and talk about that in a way where the numbers are aiding what you have watched, what we have covered for the entire season is that very, very thin needle that we're trying to thread mm-hmm. with this podcast. Um, so let's start with the easy ones, shall we? So that let's we can it. just get those out of the way. Coach of the year, Mike Brown. Yes yeah. or no?
1: It has to be Mike Brown. I don't even think the votes will be close.
0: Right. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I mean, look, the the Kings, they were, I, I've said this before on the podcast, but their preseason predictions uh, were 33 and a half wins. They wow. are well on their way, I believe, to 50 wins. I think they should they should probably crack 50 by the time it's done. They're at 46 and 30 right now, which means they have six games left to be able to crack 50. They might not crack 50, but look, the fact that we're talking about that and their preseason projection was 33 and a half, a lot of that Crazy. has to do with Mike Brown, completely revolutionized the Kings offense, obviously made it so that Sabonis looks good, De'Aaron Fox looks good, the, the secondary players in a Keegan Murray and a Kevin Herter, those guys are elite and they're performing at a high level. It's because of the offense that Mike Brown has instilled there. It's because they have this motion offense that's very similar to the Golden State Warriors, a team that Mike Brown was an assistant for for a very long time. So I think there's no question in my mind it's Mike Brown. Now, mm-hmm. that being said, I'll give you a two and a three. Mark Dagnall, Oklahoma City Thunder coach, would be my number two in this situation, and Joe Mazula for the Boston Celtics would be my third pick in this situation. Again, I think they should get recognition. They should probably get the nod, Mm -hmm. but I really think there's a good chance. This might be a unanimous win for Mike Brown.
1: Yeah, that would be interesting. I, I do think, that Mike Dagnall is going to get some some recognition but I would be very curious to see if it is unanimous because I do feel like that this is probably the first time in a long time where it's been it's been easy yeah Yeah. maybe not a long time but I feel like there's always two there's always two up towards the top of just two very dominant teams but what the Kings have done this year and you just I mean you mentioned it with getting close to 50 wins versus their initial prediction but it's not even just, again, it's not just the numbers when we're talking about contextualizing all of these conversations, um, what you see on the court, and and even going beyond that, like the stuff that's not just on the numbers, not just in the wins. You now have these guys locked in. I was actually just having a conversation the other day about Harrison Barnes and his impending free agency. Right. And a couple of months ago, I would have said, he's gone. If they don't deal him at the deadline, now's the time to catch or cash out. But now, I'm like Harrison Barnes, the loyal guy. They're winning, like they've just completely just brought back this franchise, and everybody that's there seems to be locked in and and you know for the cause, for the beam, all of it. And so, it's it's beyond a lot more than just one season where you've exceeded your expectations.
0: Well, he's found a way to motivate the guys too, right? He's found an incredible way to do it. I remember, uh, De'Aaron Fox had a quote. I think maybe 30 or 40 games into the season, he said like. Mike Brown believes in you more than you believe in you at times. <laughs> yeah. um, and that's important, man. That's important when your team hasn't made the playoffs, when you in your career, if you're De'Aaron Fox, you've never made the playoffs in your entire career. When you're Sabonis and you just got traded and everybody is saying how much the trade screwed the Sacramento Kings up, you hear all those things. You think oh, yeah. about that. And then the season that the Sacramento Kings have had in response to that is just – it's incredible. And a lot of the credit – you know, I don't love – attributing too much credit to coaches i overall think like there is so much beyond the coaching whether it is the front office moves how the roster looks the players who are actually executing the things that are happening there's multiple assistants on the side who help on a daily basis that don't get enough recognition there's trainers there's there's physical people all that stuff and and coaches often get so much of the blame and so much of the credit but with mike brown i genuinely think that that is is worthy it's worthy of of what he's done so look i agree i think our predictions are are going to be good here moving forward i think we got we got one at least we got one correct (laughs) so we'll see what happens next look speaking of predictions ladies and gentlemen it is march mania at sports interaction the nhl the nba major league baseball is back and of course march madness ladies and gentlemen so much to go on so much so much to talk about it's bananas Play Pinata Picks and Minute Madness exclusive games you can't play anywhere else. Use the QR code on your screen at the bottom of your screen and download or visit sportsinteraction.com/slash STPN 19 plus. Please play responsibly. So we got Coach of the Year. That is out of the way. Wanna to go to another one that's somewhat easy. I think it's easy. Rookie of the Year. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Jalen Williams, Oklahoma City Thunder forward Jalen Williams, has made it a little bit more interesting of a deb- of a debate than it was a couple of years ago a uh, couple of years a couple of months ago <laughs> yeah but i would say that it is paulo I, yeah. I i just i i can't bring myself to say that he is all the way closed the gap but he has closed the gap a little bit here mm-hmm. um on the season paulo banquero is averaging 19.9 points almost 20 He's not doing it that efficiently. He's, he's shooting 42% from the field, 29% from three, 74% from the free throw line, but he's grabbing seven boards, doing it with, uh, with pretty much all of the defensive attention set towards him. Uh, I think that's another underrated part about this is that he's putting up almost 20 and 10 every single night, and he's doing it with all of the attention, all of the defensive attention being sent towards him. Jalen Williams, on the other hand, he's playing next to Shea just alexander playing next to Josh Giddey, playing next to Dort and he's not the focal point whatsoever he's still doing great and he's doing it efficiently efficiently i mean he's averaging almost 15 points on 53 50 35 and 80 shooting splits uh he's been a superb defender from what i've seen at, at, like in terms of what rookies are at at a defensive level in the nba but i still think it's Paolo. do you do you agree with me there
1: yeah, I do. I do think it's Paolo. I, I think the Jalen Williams story is phenomenal and a and a great one to follow. But with Paolo, the way he came in and, and the efficiency is something that obviously you hope and expect to get better. But, yeah. I mean, Paolo, he's playing alongside Franz. He's playing alongside Jalen Suggs, who's come back and, and had some really great moments this season. Even Cole Anthony to a degree. I mean, he's got guys around him that have come in and – have impressed already so then to then come in and establish yourself as the clear number one uh, guy that's not easy to do and so um the efficiency i definitely think that there's room for i guess criticism there but i think what palo has come in and and done is it 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 needs to and will be recognized uh especially because i was actually having again another conversation the other day where i was like how interesting is it that you have so many rookies come in and you kind of see their trajectory kind of – you can see the guys that are going to – like a Tyrese Maxey, for example, like comes in, impresses, but you can't quite pinpoint the ceiling, and then you just keep seeing him going up, going up, going up. But then you've got some guys like a Jason Tatum or like a Luka Doncic who come into the league, and day one it's like, whoa. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? And I I do think, for me personally, I think Powell one of those guys. I think once, once he kind of – continues to adjust to the league gets a little bit older a little bit more experience under his belt he's going to be this phenomenal two-way player that i mean i think we're already kind of seeing him be uh and i think it's he just he is one of those guys so to me it's 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 not much of a debate for me
0: yeah and uh i'll i'll give some love to benedict Matherin, canadian guy he's been doing it off the bench for for a little bit for the Indiana Pacers really had a, a good start to the season. I think he's cooled off a little bit, but I think it's, it's fine. He is a top three rookie of the year candidate. Um, I think, you know, based on his experience and what he's done in college and now what he's kind of bringing to the NBA, he seems like as much of a surefire guy to have a, a, a like a high floor, you know, yeah. he has a high floor in terms of what he can be as a player and uh, Hey, Paolo and Jalen are right there with him. So look, rookie of the year, all good. We got it. Completely in sync there.
1: Mm-hmm. I want to
0: shift over to another one that might be easy. Okay. Mm-hmm. Most improved player. Okay. Mm-hmm. I feel like this is easy. And the reason I say that is because I hate this award. I really do despise this I award. I hate this I'm award. Not, I'm not a fan of this award. We've talked about it before. It just leaves, you know, we talk about how most valuable player, the value invaluable player makes it so ambiguous and makes it so there's that there's a lot of debate. Most improved also does something similar because it's not ever about who is the most improved. It's usually about who ends up being the the major, uh, oh, wow, look what this guy is doing story of the year. And I think that's fine to a certain extent. If you look back at the other guys who have won most improved player over the last however many years, um, they all turned out to be really, really good players. (laughs) <laughs> like but like there's there are ve- very rarely ever any misses I'll just go back the next 10 years and you tell me if there's been a miss here John Morant Julius Randle, Brandon Ingram Pascal Siakam Victor Oladipo Giannis Antetokounmpo CJ McCollum Jimmy M- Jimmy Butler Goran Dragic, Paul George Ryan Anderson that's a miss Kevin Love <laughs> I forgot yeah Ryan Anderson <laughs> one, almost, oh my god yeah Kevin Love and then, and then after that, there are a bunch of misses, but so far recently the award has, they've done a good job on that. Okay. Pre 2010, we don't want to talk about the fact that Aaron Brooks won most improved player or Danny Granger, who Danny Granger was sick, by the way, I don't want to disrespect Danny Granger, but he just fell off a cliff. Anyways, Hito Turkulu, another guy who won most improved player, Monte Ellis. These are other guys who like have not had the types of careers of the other guys I just mentioned. Already like John Morant already has a better career. You know what I mean? So like, yeah, yeah, I just, I think we've changed the, as this award has evolved, we've changed the meaning of this award to be like the coming out party for a player. Really? That's, that's what this, this award has become. And that's why last year John Morant won the award. I mean, John Morant is a top two pick in the NBA draft. He was what a second year player, third year player. I want to say one of those two, I, I can't. He was a 2019 NBA draft, so 2019. Yeah, 2019. Three. Yeah, so he was he was okay. a three year player. Okay, third year player, whatever. Uh, and and to me, it, it's like, bro, how are you going to give a third year player <laughs> who is a second overall pick the most improved? He that is what That's is expected. what he's supposed to do. That's, That's what drives me
1: crazy is that there's no consistency in this award, right? Yeah. Um, I think, and I I think we both kind of go the same direction on who we believe should get the award.
0: Talk to me. Uh, who is it?
1: I I think it, it needs to be Lowry Markinen. I think everybody's there, but I am curious to see how much love Shea Gilgis Alexander gets. Okay, it's, but th-
0: this is my thing, though. I know. This is my I, I'm thing, with dog. you. This is what I'm I'm back with to. you. I'm just Because you know. even if
1: so I go back to the year that Brandon Ingram won. I think it was it was him and maybe Bam that year were kind of going yeah, head yeah. to head. Yeah. And so I think back to that year, and I remember looking at their numbers. And to me, this might this might sound a little wonky, but Brandon Ingram, the way his numbers exploded were more comparable to what Larry Markinen has done this season in terms of mm. becoming like a, oh, my God. You know, right, right, he, right, like right. we know Shea Gilgis Alexander is the guy in Oklahoma City. We have known that. He has been that his I feel like his stats I was just looking at them are pretty much the same as last year with the exception of the points. The points have taken a significant jump up with only a one minute increase in uh, minutes per game since last year uh, which is great but that's again what you expect him to do and Mm -hmm. so I wouldn't normally be having this conversation if it weren't for John Morant winning last year, because I do think Mm -hmm. that precedent, especially most recent precedent does have an impact. Has changed
0: what the award is. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, and sometimes, I mean, I think Shea Gilgis Alexander at the league level gets a lot of love, which some people might disagree with, but I think the players give him a lot of love. Mm -hmm. Um, and he gets a lot of respect that Lowry Markinen does not necessarily get, especially being on a rebuilding team. Not that OKC isn't either, but I just think Shea has been doing this a little bit longer, um, and playing at this high level, well, so I also, do, I'm curious.
0: Also, to be fair, Shea is a better player. Um, yes, he is a better player. Sure. So, like, so I think, I think this is where people get it twisted with the most improved player, and I think we're we're in line with this. Is like, okay, is a player going from a top 100 player to a top 25 player a bigger leap, a more difficult leap than a player who went from a top 50 player? to a top 10 player? Yes. Which leap is bigger? And that is something me or you, people who have not stepped on an NBA basketball court, <laughs> would not be able to tell, would not be able to answer. I. That's one of those things that I would love to know from coaches and execs. And once once we get credentialed up in this, <laughs> uh, I would love to be able to ask uh, yeah. that question because it's like, what's more difficult? Is it more difficult to go from a role player to a star or a star to a superstar? Yeah. And if we're looking at that, Lowry Markin is he went from a role player to a star, whereas SGA went from a star to a superstar. And I and I think John Morant's in a similar case last year where it was like, OK, John Morant went from a star to a superstar. Right. And I think if you look at this case, it's sort of similar. Lowry Markin this year, he's averaging 26 points, uh, nearly nine rebounds, two assists, He's doing it on very efficient shooting. He might get 50, 40, 90 if he finishes finishes out the year on some really, really good shooting. Uh, Gilgis Alexander, let's do this. He's averaging 31 points. He's doing it on pretty good efficiency as well. 50, 35, 90 shooting. He has five assists, five rebounds, two steals. You know, he's doing it all. SGA, mm-hmm. like his numbers are incredible. So I don't dispute that. But if you wanted to give SGA a most improved player, you probably could have given it to him either last year or the year before that. Exactly. Um now I know games played in one of those scenarios kind of ruined his case for it, but I would say it's Lowry. I think I, I think Markinen wins it.
1: I, I think he will win it too. And I I will and frankly I'll be disappointed if he doesn't win it. More yeah. so because I do think that this is we just talked about this award being a player's coming out party. And even looking back at the Brandon Ingram, Pascal Siakam, some of these, yeah. guys, even Julius Randle. Um
0: Giannis, even. Yeah, yeah, like
1: these guys when they win this award it is oftentimes more the role – not I don't want to say role player because those guys weren't role players, but like the all-star level, not right, the 50 yeah. to the top 10. And so yeah. I do think that even though we're talking about recent precedent with John Morant and Shea Alexander, I think overall when we're talking about who has improved more, I don't really know how you can dispute the Lowry market. And, and I do think that this year with this specific case um, – with it, if he doesn't win it or if it's pretty close, I think that that is going to be more of a statement on the Utah Jazz not getting the respect that they deserve. I do believe yeah. that. I'll
0: say this Lowry marketing to me, I do a top 50 players uh, every year, uh, which maybe I should start doing it into an article. Now that I'm thinking about it, but, uh, okay. Anyways, I do a top 50 players every year. Last year, Larry Markkinen did not make my list. I don't, he was not even considered on the list. So he probably (laughs) would have been a top 60 to top 75 player last year. This year, he would be a surefire top 30, if not top 25 player this season. So that's a massive leap. Last year when I did the list, I remember this. Shea Gilgis was probably around 25, 23 or 25. Now he's like 10 to, you know, maybe like seven to like, 12 or 13 i don't know yeah. depending on where you have them but regardless that's those are who those those are very different jumps in my opinion yeah. so i think i think it's marketing for sure
1: okay i like pinpointing the jump though i like trying having that conversation moving forward i think is going to be an important one so i'm glad you mentioned yeah. it and phrased it that way
0: yeah i mean i think i think that's the only way we'll figure out how this what this award means moving <laughs> okay. forward i i think like that's it's just such a confusing award most improved um okay so there's three more uh individual awards and then we'll get into the team stuff ladies and gentlemen actually you know what Lauren let me just ask you which way do you want to go which way do you want to go here what what award do you want to talk about right now
1: I think we should get the six man out of the way
0: get the six man out of the way get to the big stuff afterwards get to okay, the cool. big stuff okay, so my six man of the year it's it's tough this year is actually a an interesting year for the six man of the year because there's no one that's really um, like blowing everybody out of the water in terms mm-hmm. of scoring. And if we look at, if we look like, you know, we mentioned with the most improved award, th- the way that this award usually has been is that they give it to scoring. Whoever is scoring off the bench the most and doing it efficiently is the one who is usually going to win this award. But when, when I come to you and I say, look, okay, who has played more than 41 games this season off the bench? And what are they averaging? So you get a, you look at Norm Powell. He is leading all bench scores with 17 a game. But then there's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. There's there's like 30 names of guys who are averaging more than 15. <laughs> so I I just think it's a bigger discussion to be had than just points this year. And that's what makes it so interesting to me because it's like, okay, which way do you want to go? Then are you talking defensive impact? Are we talking about overall impact? Mm-hmm. I went with. Emmanuel quickly. That's the guy (laughs) who I decided to pick. Are we on, are we on the same page? We are.
1: And that's so boring. Cause I was, I I was going to come in and be like, Emmanuel quickly 40 (laughs) points this week. Like, yeah, uh, yeah.
0: Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Look, maybe we'll, we'll get into, we'll get into our debates a little bit later. These, these, these are a little bit easier, but my top three were Emmanuel quickly, Malcolm Brogdon and Norm Powell. And so, so I, I think, I have quickly as the guy because he's second among all bench players in plus minus other than <laughs> Isaiah Joe is actually leading all bench <laughs> players. Shout out to Isaiah Joe. He's having an incredible year, but I, I think single-handedly having the a better earlier
1: this year. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, in 25 minutes off the bench for the Knicks, quickly is averaging over 12 points. He's doing so efficiently. He's 43, 38, 80 shooting splits. He's dishing the ball a little bit more, playing really, really great point of attack defense. I think that's been a huge part of what they do. I mean, you know, I, I wrote something on, on the Knicks and Jalen Brunson a couple of weeks ago, and just looking back at the pairing of quickly and heart and how well they do on the court together defensively and as, as well what they do offensively, it really, I feel like this is the way to go. Mm-hmm. I I feel like it's quickly. What was, what was your kind of, how'd you decide and delineate between your six man of the year guys?
1: Yeah, sometimes, and, and I kind ca- this actually goes for a lot of the awards, maybe excluding the MVP. But another part, kind of going back to the first question you asked me, was what? How do you go about a- approaching some of these awards? Mm-hmm. Some of them is it's not just I. When we talk about contextualizing it, I'm looking again beyond what's happening happening on the court in the numbers. The whole the full picture. And a lot of times with this award, like you mentioned, there's the scoring and sometimes that's great, but you've got a guy like Jordan Clarkson, I think is a great example. Maybe he'll, he'll pop off on your bench, score you a bunch of points, but does, is he on your, is he on the team next year or is he in trade discussions? And for me, sometimes with some of these awards, I do think something that can set a guy apart in my mind first will always be team impact. Are you affecting winning? And I think Emmanuel quickly is doing a great job at doing that. But are you also establishing yourself as a non-negotiable key piece to a core? And I'm not necessarily talking about a young core, but whether you are a young core or you're competing for a championship, are you somebody that they cannot afford to lose? And if that is a 100% yes, no question about it, then that does carry some weight in my mind. And that's not always going to be the case in every single award and every single debate. But if I can ask myself that question, then it, it 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 will play a part. Especially when this last summer we we're talk, having a conversation about Donovan Mitchell. There were points even leading up to the trade deadline. Obi Toppin, Emmanuel, quickly are they available? Question. And now it's like the answer is no. These guys are key pieces to the formula that they're putting out there. They're having success. The Knicks are fifth in the East right mm-hmm. now. Um. So all of those things combined to me solidify him as the front runner for that award. Um, even though normally I feel like the sixth man of the year is averaging like at least sixteen points, yeah, um, and that's kind of what drives the award, like you mentioned. But to me, all of those things, big picture combined for IQ, I think, I think it's his.
0: Yeah, I agree with you. I agree with you. That I feel like that is a simple choice. Okay, let's for the sake of time and for the sake of moving this thing on okay. quicker, let's do Defensive Player of the Year. Okay, mm-hmm. um, DPOY is a tough one because I think there are. A number of ways to approach this, but there have been a couple of three guys who have really separated themselves from the rest of the pack. Jaron Jackson Jr., Brooke Lopez, and Bam Adebayo. But I think Bam has dropped off recently. I think the Heat have also uh, struggled defensively as of late, especially post-All-Star break. So I think Bam is a little bit separated from Brooke and Jaron Jackson Jr. No discredit to Bam. Bam has been phenomenal. There's probably a year in the last couple of years where Bam should have been the defensive player of the year. Mm-hmm. But this year, this season, it's between Jaron Jackson Jr. and Brooke Lopez. Yes. And to that, I say toss up. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, I look, I would have I would have said I think my reasoning for why I have Jaron Jackson Jr. as my defensive player of the year comes down to this. Okay, and I've I've picked him. I've selected Jaron Jackson Jr. He is my defense player of the year. Before Jaron came back to the lineup, the Grizzlies were a bottom 10 defense. Okay, I believe they were somewhere around 21st. Okay, since Jaron has come back, they've been the number one defense. And right now, they're the number two defense overall. Okay, right behind those mighty, mighty Cleveland Cavaliers. We'll talk about them later when we talk about all defense. But my point here is this. Brooke Lopez, he has Giannis helping on the weak side. He has Drew Holiday at the point of attack. He has Chris Middleton also at the point of attack. Now you have guys like Jay Crowder, Javon Carter, very, very good defenders. The Bucks in general have a sound rotation of just solid defensive guys. Whereas Jaron Jackson Jr. and the Grizzlies, yes, Dylan Brooks is a great point of attack defender. I think Desmond Bain, despite his size issues, is a good defender. Yeah. John Morant is not a good defender, but that's fine. That one, having one loose egg is is fine. <laughs> Stephen Adams, also not the, like, he is a good defender, but like he he's he isn't the most versatile defender. I should say.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: That leaves me to say that Jaron's impact on the Grizzlies' defense is so much more seismic than what Brook's impact is on the Bucks' defense. Yeah, and while Brooke has had a great season. Defending, blocking, deterring shots. I think it comes down to the fact that his 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 effect, like the way he's affecting shots, Jaron Jackson Jr. is just better. I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll give this to you as a stat. And I think this maybe was the decider for me when I was when I was like really, really deciding what what I'm gonna go down with. Go to defensive impact on NBA stats.com. Go to defensive field goal percentage. On shots at the rim, Jaron Jackson Jr. opponents are shooting forty six point seven percent. That's insane, by the way. Brooke Lopez, opponents are shooting 50%. Draymond Green, 50%. Walker Kessler, by the way, another guy who's probably mm-hmm. going to be in this conversation later, 51%. Mm-hmm. So these are like the elite rim protectors of the league. And Jared Jackson Jr. is 4% better than any of them. So Jesus. I I think it's Jaren. I, I, I agree. Look, there's the foul trouble stuff. There's the minutes played, all that stuff. But I think it's Jaren. My question, my answer is Jaren. And please just tell me you went Brooke, because I want some disagreement. No, I'm kidding. You went, Jaren, didn't you? You did.
1: I did, again, <laughs> the team impact. And and you. I don't need to repeat what you just said, but I think the key, if you take someone out of the formula, to me, it's it's as simple as you take one guy out of the formula. We have had Giannis, the Milwaukee Bucks, as top defensive player, or Giannis in the defensive player of the year category in the past. Right. And we've had the Bucks as the best or close to the best defenses in the past couple of years. Memphis, you take Jaron Jackson out of that equation, their defensive identity completely changes. And so oh, yeah. um, I don't want to say it's terrible because you mentioned all their solid defenders that they have now, but it changes significantly much more than it would in Milwaukee if you remove Brooke Lopez. So it's as simple as that for me.
0: Yeah. Uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. Plus 11 net rating this season. Uh, actually plus 12 net rating. Brook Lopez plus nine. The, the Bucks are—they give up 109 points per 100 possessions with Brook Lopez Brooke Lopez on the court. The Bucks give up 115 points per 100 possessions with Brooke Lopez off the court. Uh, when it comes to the the Grizzlies, though, Jaron Jackson Jr. when he's on the court, the Grizzlies give up 108 points, so one one less point compared to the the Brook Lopez led Bucks. And I think that's it. Like that—that's that, that kind of shows you right there. It's like Jaron is legitimately impacting defense more than brooke is. so i think you know you can look at the counting stats you can look at the blocks they're very close in that stuff deflections tips all that stuff they're very close on all that but i think when it comes to impact i would say that jaron jackson jr's impact has been more and that's why i'm giving him the defense player of the year i'm with you all right man like i feel like we have to take a woo-saw break just because this next part it might be a little bit crazy. Do you want to get all rookie done? Because I feel like all rookie is kind of easier than all uh, than MVP.
1: Uh yeah, we can do all rookie. Let's do okay. all rookie. I'll you, just I'll, I'll give
0: I'll give you I'll give you the names. Okay. Yeah, let's so, do a quick fire. Sure. Okay. I got Paolo Bencaro, mm-hmm. Jalen Williams, Walker Kessler, Ben Matherin, and uh Jaden Ivey as my first team. And then second team, I got Keegan Murray, Andrew Nembard. Jeremy Sohan, Shaden Sharp, and Jabari Smith Jr. That's okay. That's it. I I, I might have I, Keegan
1: I'm, and Ivy swapped.
0: Fair, okay. But I get it. It's
1: it's. I think the <laughs> tears are pretty obvious. You know what I mean. I have to give Keegan Murray the love. He just set the all the three point. Three I know. Got to yeah. you. Got to just you. Got to give it to him. But um, maybe yeah, maybe
0: I'm, I I could be I could be. I could be moved into switching Matherin and Keegan, but then someone will be like, "Okay, then how do you yeah. not do that during for Rookie of the Year when you have Matherin third as Rookie <laughs> of the Year?" Always so. gonna, somebody's yeah. always gonna, somebody's always gonna. Yeah, somebody's always gonna do that. So you know what? We're gonna keep it as is. That's that's keep the, it as is. I like I will it. We'll say the one that was the hardest to pick from was the final one. I wasn't really sure about Jabari Smith Jr. Although he's had a better stretch recently, I Frame. was very iffy on that. I don't know if you have a fit a, a last a final. All rookie guy that is not Jabari Smith Jr. I would love to hear your case. I think there's there's a case for a couple of guys, so mm-hmm. would love to hear it out for the people who are listening. Okay, let's get back to it. We did all rookie. How about MVP? Let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. Okay, I mean the, this this MVP conversation has been like ad nauseum. Like, man, we've talked about <laughs> the MVP so much, uh, and it just it it's become a it's kind of taken the 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 fun out of the MVP I um but at the same time I mean it it's they've made it a, a close case for a reason this is probably going to be one of the closest MVP races in NBA history and the reason is you know you saw the the Tim Bontom straw poll I believe Jokic won or was it Jokic that won right or was it I beat? believe it was I- Jokic yeah, it was Jokic. Now you have to so be second guessing. Now I'm not sure. Let me See, if I can <laughs> yeah, see but listen, ladies and gentlemen, this is, is how close it is. is. <laughs> it, it was decided by maybe three or four votes. Uh, either way, it went either Jokic or Embiid, but that's how close this thing is. It's going to be a matter of a couple of votes that determine who wins, you know, Jokic or Emb- Embiid I think Giannis has trailed off here I think he is the distant mm-hmm. third in this MVP scenario and it's it's just between Jokic and Embiid it at was this point. Embiid
1: and it won. was Embiid
0: right it was Embiid who won it okay yep. cool so right. yeah Jokic uh, Embiid has has <laughs> taken over the Nuggets have struggled in the month of March they haven't looked the same defensively they've slipped a little bit now to be fair uh the Sixers have slipped over the last couple of weeks and the Nuggets have have kind of resurged a little bit, so it's brought the conversation back to even. And I'll just go through the stats. I'll just go through the yeah. counting stats just to make you guys happy in that regard. Nikola Jokic, he's played 67 games this season. He's averaging 25 points, almost 12 rebounds, and almost 10 assists. He's also averaging nearly 1.5 steals. He's doing it while shooting 64% from the field. I believe he's actually has, it's the most impactful uh sorry not most impactful it is one of the most efficient seasons mo- most efficient 20 plus point seasons in nba history that he's having um so yes that's that yes he's shooting 70 percent a true shooting percentage of 70 percent is he it's is insane. leading it, it's insane what his numbers are there um he is leading in terms of all the analytical stats you could think of he's number one in Most of them, I would say, other than the ESPN's RPM, Jokic is leading in literally everything, not just leading in among these three contenders. I'm talking about leading the entire NBA uh, in all of these advanced metrics. So in terms of impact, he has it there as well. Now, this is the case for Joel Embiid. He's leading the league in points, 33.2 points per game. He's doing so while nabbing over 10 rebounds, dishing out over four assists, one and a half steals, one and a half blocks. He's played 62 games, which is a very, very good season for Joel Embiid, just five less games than Jokic. He's also doing so efficiently. He still shoots the ball very, very well. He shoots better than Jokic uh, in terms of efficiency and and output. I I think I I, I just to me, I, I don't know. The, the Nuggets, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I hate this. I really hate this because I, there's still a week left in the season. Mm-hmm. Okay? And there's still games to be played that could decide this. I True. think the Sixers have some really, really important games coming down the stretch. The Sixers are right now third in the East, and they play the Raptors tonight. Or, you know, they've already played them if you're listening to this. But then they play the Bucks and the Celtics next week and those are going to be huge games, nationally televised games. It's going to be I think those are going to probably decide
1: the MVP yeah.
0: award right there. If Embiid doesn't play or he doesn't play well,
1: oh, th- if he doesn't play, changes. that's a bad run. Uh. Yeah,
0: yeah. So I I I like I personally I think when it comes down to it, Jokic by the numbers has had a more impactful season, okay? And watching both of these guys, I'm right <laughs> I want to write about the Sixers this week. Um Watching both of them, I think they've both been incredibly impactful. Who's been more impactful? Even with my eyes, I can't be able to decide that for you. The numbers right. tell me that it's Jokic. The n- the numbers do tell me that it's Jokic that's more impactful. But what, what Embiid and the Sixers have done this season is also just incredibly impressive. And for me, man, it just comes down to this. I just, I'll give it to Embiid. <laughs> I'll give it to Embiid. I really thought. You you th- say, you, you okay. thought I was gonna go? Yokich? I thought I'll you get- were gonna s- no. to stick with it. No, I, I'm gonna give it to Embiid because because like I, like let's just do it. Let's just do let's it. Just like, do it. He's done enough. Okay, you know how they say like you to be the champ, you got to beat the champ. And I really yeah. think this year he's done enough to beat the champ. Ah, uh, they have been miraculous and marvelous on the court with him. Embiid has been dominant. I mean, he's been the run- runner-up two seasons in a row. At this point, this is just the bruh. Here you go, man. (laughs) Mm -hmm. MVP. That's what it is. It's like okay, you've you've really been on our heels for three seasons. Here you go. Here's the MVP. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Do you do you feel that way? Do you agree?
1: I do have it going to Embiid, and I think a big part. I don't. I don't want to say a big part of it because it truly is so close, and I'm not going to be mad either way because of the year that. Both of them are having, and we have talked about this season for Denver being your year. If it doesn't happen, big questions going into that off season. And so on that, you could make that along with many other arguments as to why this is yet another year for Nicole Jokic. But to me, Joel Embiid and, and you mentioned the games played, that being a really, really good year for Joel Embiid, um, I think another part of this conversation and the voting is the belief in the Philadelphia 76ers and people continue to talk about the three best teams in the league this year, all coming out of the East and Philadelphia is one of those teams. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm curious as to, and again, it's kind of like a, well, are you incorporating or including trajectory or playoff success that has not happened yet into a vote? I don't know, but when you're looking at the different categories of of voters, um, I do think that there is more belief in Philadelphia this year, and that all comes into play with Joel Embiid's importance to that team versus yeah. Jokic, who has all of the numbers, but league-wide, I'm not sure how much belief there is that they can get the job done. You know what I mean? And so I'm right. curious to see from the different categories, I think the media is always going to give Jokic that respect, especially when you're looking at the numbers. But those other categories, what does that look like? You know what I mean? And so for me, this is Embiid's year, even though, like I said, we've talked about that being the case for the Nuggets. I think for Embiid and the Philadelphia 76ers, going back again to our pressure cooker conversation, this is just as much their year, especially when you think of James Harden and how he comes into that formula and conversation
0: yeah. yeah, I mean I mean the the sidebar to all to all this MVP talk is the fact that like how important winning a championship is for both of these teams this season because okay. there is a certain level of pressure um that that's going to build. That's going to be a part of of the conversation with these guys forever and ever. Like we brought up Dirk last week uh as <laughs> kind of a as kind of a comparing point, but uh, I I just I think it's it's very interesting moving forward. I think you know, in a week if Embiid is not playing against those two teams and maybe he 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 ends up having a dud it could sway <laughs> Jokic and it could. yeah it's gonna it's gonna depend on this final week of the season because even as me and Lauren are talking right now we don't know <laughs> <Mm-mm>. <laughs> like no. yeah i we both say Embiid i think the national audience the voters will probably lean towards Embiid because in order for a guy to win 3 MVPs in a row and I know I know I uh, for the people who are talking it's like oh it's it's just about one season it's just about one season yes that's true but in the minds of the voters you can't erase you what can. has happened beforehand it's established you know what i mean yeah so it's it's look i get it it's unfair to to be weighed against those other two seasons, but when it's something as historical as a three-time MVP, which has only happened a couple times, you have to consider how are we going to approach this? And I think the voters are probably gonna say, unless Jokic is clear cut running away with it, then there should be a-, a recognition of the other guys, and I think Embiid is gonna win it because of that. So yeah, that's MVP. Um do you want to go through all defense real quick, or do you want me to do you want me to just run through all defense real quick? I don't know. Yeah,
1: we can do all defense real quick. I I have just a couple of like switches from probably the most common answers across the board.
0: Okay, cool. I got you.
1: Uh, I'll just I'll lay it out
0: quick. So I think for all defense, I have. Yeesh. <laughs> <laughs> now I know I'm looking at it, I'm like, ah, oh, I don't know what mm-hmm. I'm doing here. <laughs> okay. Oh, it's so hard because it's like okay, so so the thing with all defense is that they have OG Ananobi listed as only a forward. And okay. the issue with that is that OG Ananobi hasn't played much forward this season. Yeah. even if you want to classify it as forward, he's played the majority of his quote unquote minutes. As a shooting guard this season, he's played most of his minutes at two. He's guarded most players at the point of attack and guarding mostly your guards, right? That's what OG Ananobi has done all season. And yet he's still listed as a forward. So OG has to go against Draymond Green and Bam Adebayo and Jaden McDaniels and Evan Mobley and Jaron Jackson Jr. and an array of other players and Herb Jones and all those, you know, so I don't know how this is going to go down. But I think based on based on the resumes of guys, based on what we just talked about with Defense Player of the Year, I think Brooke and Jaron are both all defense first team. Mm-hmm. Uh, that third forward spot is most likely going to go to Giannis. But I could hear the argument. I can hear the argument for Evan Mobley uh, yeah. because the Cavaliers have had the number one defense all season. He has been exceptional defensively the same with Jared Allen who has been exceptional defensively. I think he should get some recognition here as well, but the center spot is really, really tough and I don't know how he gets that. So then now I, I just, I don't know, Lauren, I don't know. I'm sorry.
1: <laughs> there's <laughs> yeah. so much.
0: There's so much. Um, I mean, there's Bam out Obviously I mentioned OJ and I think the guards are kind of more clear. Yeah. It's like, okay, Drew holiday is an all defense guard. I think Alex Caruso is a first-team all-defense guard. I I think Herb Jones is a first-team all-defense guard or, – or, sorry, a, a second-team all-defense guard. And I think Marcus Smart.
1: Marcus Smart, yeah. Yeah, it's, is, a,
0: is a second-team all-defense. So, like, the guards are easy. It's yeah. the forwards that makes it all weird and confu- – like, I, I don't know how to <laughs> approach this anymore, you know?
1: Yeah, the OG, I didn't think about that. The the positions, um, especially with when you consider who he's guarding and now who he's now going up against in the award to me the the main switch that i was talking about earlier is is evan mobley over bam autobio and this is probably maybe even the best example i have of team success versus um you know record and and just and and stats and and all those things and and bam has very much been a part of that conversation in, in previous years but when you're talking about such a dominant defense and I could see a little bit of the argument of, okay, well, yeah, you've got Evan Mobley having this great year, but Jared Allen and their def- is, plays a massive role in, in their defensive identity. So how much does that take away from Evan Mobley? And I get that. Um, but I do think that what Evan Mobley is doing and, and the defensive identity and success and impact of the Cleveland Cavaliers, you have to give that recognition. And so when you see a team like Miami – struggling and I mean struggling at certain points in the season and then I think even overall underperforming um that does take away some mm-hmm. something at least for me and so that's probably the the main swap um but you know I I, I cover the Mavs so I, I'm an <laughs> offense person <laughs> I'm
0: just oh, kidding you have, you have I'm just kidding. The, I mean I am and I'm doctored. not You've indoctored the uh, the Jason Kidd way of thinking. Oh, that
1: nope, no <laughs> no 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 no. No, I'm just kidding. But no, I think um, I think Evan gets the nod over Bam. I think Miami. I've got some concerns about Miami, but that's gonna be a conversation for another day.
0: Fair enough. Yeah, I know. I mean, the the thing just came out saying that they thought Kyle Lowry was gonna be All Star Kyle Lowry when they signed him, and it's like. 37-year-old point guard who just he traded precious to, for him.
1: How are you feeling about that? Yeah,
0: he used to lead the league in minutes for a considerable amount of time. <laughs> 37-year-old point guard? I don't know how that's supposed to really work out for you, but okay. Um, mm. So anyways, uh, when it comes to Penn, in Penn locks for all defense, I think Brooke, Jaron, Giannis, Mobley, uh, Drew, Drew yeah, are, are locks. Uh, Caruso is also a lock, I feel, uh, amongst people. And then Marcus Smart, probably a lock as well. And then you have like three spots, four spots divided amongst a million people. I think Nick Claxton also deserves a nod. We talked about him for a little bit. Jared Allen deserves a nod here. Uh, Jaden McDaniels, like I mentioned, OG, Draymond, Bam. Like there's going to be a lot of guys that can make it into this. And that's why I say, ladies and gentlemen, add another team. (laughs) It's crazy. There's three all-NBA teams.
1: You should have three all defense there's, teams. There's even three all rookie teams.
0: No, there isn't. Oh, it's there okay, isn't. Though. No, there isn't. No, Shoot. it's okay. It,
1: no. <laughs> there you go. I thought there were three all rookie teams. There's no. Not? There's
0: there's two. There's just two all, all rookie teams. And and no, I I mean that's okay. <laughs> that's neither here nor there. When it comes to all defense, okay. The the way that they actually used to have only two All-NBA teams, and they changed it because of the expansion of the NBA, right? They added an extra All-NBA team because there was just going to be more freaking players, but they decided not to do that with All-Defense, and that does not make sense. There it is does make an, sense. A, a, like I said earlier with the contract stipulations, there's going to be a lot of names that are going to lose out on money because of this. So speaking of losing out on money, let's talk about All-NBA, okay? Yes, Oh, <sighs> this is going to be tough. Uh, I think I think there are some locks, though. So let's get the locks out of the way. I mm-hmm. think the guys we've mentioned throughout this podcast, I think Joel Embiid is a lock. Yes. Right.
1: Oh, yes. Sorry.
0: Yes. Sorry. I thought we were playing the game here. No, yes. don't no, no, no. Uh, Nikola Jokic, also a lock. Yes. Mm-hmm. Giannis Antetokounmpo, a lock. Yes. Mm-hmm. Jason Tatum, a lock. Yes. SGA, a lock. Yep. Yep. Your guy, Luka Doncic, also a lock. Yep. I think Donovan Mitchell, also a lock. Mm-hmm. Damian Lillard for what he's done this season, I think is probably a lock. DeMontis yep. Sabonis, also a lock. Yeah. I know there's going to be talk about Bam and what he's done, but no. No. Nope. I'm I'm sorry, but Sabonis' impact this season, where the Kings are in the standings, how impactful he's been on the offense of that team, it's Sabonis. It is yeah. clear cut. DeMontis Sabonis is your all NBA third. The only thing that could change things is that Anthony Davis is also considered a center, but I, I highly doubt with the amount of games that AD has missed that he gets the nod here.
1: Okay. Interesting. Um, I have him on my I have him in there.
0: Oh, I, I just mean it's center. I just mean it's center. Oh, Sabonis, I got you, I got you. Sabonis will be considered a center. So I don't think he gets Sabonis. it over Sabonis
1: I got you. Uh, th-
0: there is there's a very good chance M- uh, A D becomes an all NBA player. So now you have we had how many we pretty much have all the guard spots locked, except the third team all guard spots yes, um I'm curious to see how you ordered them though, the okay. guards because I feel like we the 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 names are there, yeah, but the order Placement, I wanna know yeah. and then and then we gotta go to forward, which is just a shit show of all <laughs> shit shows so so go ahead tell me tell me tell me who your guards are
1: so first, I have Luca, okay. And this pains me, but I have Steph. I have Steph. Oh, you have Steph. I do. You have, I do Steph have Steph. on. I do. Have okay. Steph in there.
0: Very interesting. Because As I you're...
1: just, again, and it's hard because I keep preaching on this team success, team success, team success. But Steph, I don't know. <laughs> He's in there.
0: <laughs> Two, okay. Second team. Yeah. Or do you yeah, want to keep going? Me. You want to go no, on? No, no, room? Keep, no. Keep, yeah, keep going. Keep Second, going. Second, I
1: have Dame and Shay. Okay. I'm sorry. Shy. I have shy. 13. No, you're right. Yeah. I thought it was shy. I thought he corrected everybody.
0: Really? Yeah. Shy, he said it's pronounced
1: out... shy on Instagram one day. And I was like, since when? Huh? But
0: it's news to me. I got to go ask his uncle. Okay. Go, yeah. Go double team. 13. 13. 13.
1: Darren Fox. Donovan Mitchell.
0: Okay. Okay. So um, our order is different. Okay? okay. Let's hear it. But also I think, I think it'd be, we'd be remiss to not mention Devin Booker.
1: Yeah, because, especially lately, yeah.
0: Yeah, he's been cooking. He's been he absolutely has. on fire recently, like 30 on 50, 40, 90 type stuff. And that's incredible. I think the the winning record, and I know it's crazy to say because they're only one spot out, probably gives the edge to, to Fox yeah. um, because he's been incredible. All the clutch stats, he's going to win the Clutch Player of the Year, ladies and gentlemen. We're not talking about that award on here. But yeah, he's going to win the Clutch Player of the Year this year. Uh and and Fox I think gets the nod ahead of Booker over that. So I, I think we're good with the okay. with the guards. The order I have differently. I have Shea as my first team. Oh all yeah. NBA guy. There. Along with Luca. And then my second team is Dame and Mitchell.
1: And Mitchell, okay. Yes, I thought you were gonna go Fox for some reason.
0: No, so the reason I have Dame because Dame has been ridiculous all season. He played the minimum amount of games, fifty-eight, I believe, and he shut down for the year. But like this is this is Dame's best season of his career. He's gonna make an All NBA spot for me, and I had to give him the edge over Steph and over Fox. So Steph and Fox are my All NBA thirteen guys. Got you. Um, and I I think the reason with Steph is just games played. Like he's only played fifty-one games. SGA has played more games than him. Luca has played more games than him. Dame it, it has actually technically played more games than him. Donovan Mitchell has played more. Ga- so it's just games played when yep. it comes to Steph. Otherwise, I, I think I would I understand having him in your first team. The bigs, the bigs are are clear cut as well. Embiid, Jokic, Sabonis. Those are your those are your centers that are going to be the All NBA centers. Um, depending on who wins MVP, probably ends up getting that first team yeah. between Jokic and Embiid. And then you have Giannis and Tatum as your forwards. So now, ladies and gentlemen, if you have a pen and pencil, if you've written all this down for us, that means there is only four spots left for one of the following players. Jalen Brown, Julius Randle, Jimmy Butler, Pascal Siakam, Jaron Jackson Jr., Kevin Durant, Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, Anthony Davis, LeBron James, Lowry Markkinen. How are, we, how are we supposed to do this? So I I had some difficulties in I doing this. Too. And I didn't know how to approach it because there really is two ways to approach this. And that's why at the start of this podcast, ladies and gentlemen, I said, you can approach this by saying games played. And if you weigh games played heavily, then the list of forwards should be as follows. It should be Jimmy Butler, it should be Julius Randle, it should be Pascal Siakam, it should be Lowry Markinen. Those should be your all-NBA forwards. But if we're talking about pure impact, if we're talking about pure impact and 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 what the overall metrics say, what the advanced stats say, it should be Jimmy Butler, Kevin Durant, LeBron James, Kawhi Leonard. That's who your all-NBA forwards should be if you're doing it purely based on <laughs> advanced numbers. <laughs> and I, I think you could find a healthy mix in between there.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But for me... I think if I had to write two of those names in pen, it would be Jimmy Butler and it would be Julius Randle. The other ones, I think you can have a conversation. And it's tough because I I mentioned this earlier on the pod, but Pascal's might lose 70, 80 million dollars worth of money. And it's because there's two spots and he's competing against Jalen Brown and (laughs) KD and Kawhi and Paul George and Anthony Davis and LeBron James. And Lowry, Markman, and all a, a considerable amount of those guys have more rapport amongst NBA voters than him. It, it's just a matter of fact. People are going to vote for Braun because it's LeBron. People are going to vote for KD because it's KD. People mm-hmm. are going to vote for Kawhi and Paul George because they're Kawhi and Paul George. Yeah. And even if you are having a better season, it just it's not going to mean you are going to be an All NBA guy, and that's True. that's unfortunate that's to the hear. Reality. So talk to me about okay. your forward spots.
1: So, so we've already established first team, correct? Have we Yeah, pretty much. Okay. Yeah. I so mean, se- unless you
0: unless you have no. any other other than Giannis and Tatum.
1: No, those are the two that I've got. Okay. okay. So second team I've got Kawhi and KD.
0: Okay, cool. All right. I do.
1: And then third I've got Jimmy Butler and Julius Randle.
0: Okay. So, so you went a down blend. the middle.
1: You I've got went a little down bit the middle. Blend. You Shocker. went down the middle. I know.
0: No, no, no. But I, I think like that is fair because Kawhi in twenty twenty three has been magnificent. has been unbelievable. But he's only played how many games has he played? He's played like forty seven games? Yeah, he's played forty seven games. It's crazy. I, I, I think uh Yeah, I actually I wanna see I wanna confirm something before we head out here. Yeah, All while NBA, you're while
1: you're doing that, I think My argument for Kawhi, and obviously we all know how great he's been playing and the numbers, blah, blah, blah. But when you look at the Clippers and you're looking at the Western Conference and you're having the conversation, the conversation that we've been having about the playoff picture and the standings and the matchups, you simply cannot count out the Clippers, even though they've lost someone as significant as Paul George because of Kawhi Leonard and the version of Kawhi Leonard that we're seeing right now.
0: So I, I just want to say this. I think Kawhi is inel- ineligible.
1: What? Because of the yes. games?
0: Yeah, I think he is ineligible. <sighs> uh, I just want to confirm one two, I did three, not four, realize five. that. Yeah. He, so he's played 47 games. Uh, that that this slipped over my radar too. Uh he played 47 games. The minimum requirement requirement is 58. Oh, I didn't
1: uh, which, know that.
0: Which means that Kawhi will be ineligible, which also means that Paul George will be ineligible. Ouch. Uh so yeah that that's that's how the cookie crumbles there and hmm. if we look at uh the other guys who might be ineligible let me look at this anthony yeah. davis is at 50 right shoot and the lakers have one two three four five six more games left so he might not be eligible
1: mm-hmm. actually
0: he won't be eligible he won't be yeah uh and lebron james which is at no 49 he won't be eligible so shoot, now that's i'm looking very at very
1: interesting actually
0: now that i'm looking at this this actually becomes a lot easier <laughs> it helps pascal you out might get his money yeah pascal might get his money uh because now you can look at it and say okay well
1: 58 interesting
0: uh, yeah hold on let me d- let me double check one more thing jimmy butler how many games has he played he's played 61 so he's okay. definitely gonna make jimmy
1: it Jimmy will be in there yeah
0: yeah so i would say look if we're going based on that jimmy's gonna make it Uh, Julius Randle is going to make it, who's only played, he's played 77 games this season. I think Pascal probably makes it. And I think either Lowry Markinen or, you know, who else, whoever else you want to say. How many Uh,
1: has KD played, you said?
0: KD has played uh, 43 games. Okay. Yeah.
1: Shoot. Wow. Yeah. That is interesting. That is so interesting because I obviously I didn't know about the 58 game rule, but when we're talking about the CBA, Conversations happening right now, and all and and all of this money that's potentially off the table for these big name guys. Maybe people can just scoff at that amount, like, "Oh, that's not that's nothing for them." Like, think about all the secondary sources of income, blah blah blah. That that's nothing to them. But Mm -hmm. then you think about the majority of the league and guys that will never make the amount alone that they just missed by missing this team, and so that to me is it's all very significant and this this rule that obviously I'm just finding out about I think uh in I CPA, just confirm it's gonna be it's gonna be very interesting to see how that gets worked out uh because I think that there's a there's a very big conversation happening there. Um, so
0: I, I'm gonna I'm gonna you know what let's let's leave it there because okay. I'm I'm not a hundred percent sure what the 58 number is based on. So it, it's saying okay. it's saying that let me see here. Yeah, so like there there have been players before who have made the um, the All-NBA, you know what I mean? Without I, I, being like, at 58 games. Without being at 58 games. Interesting. So I, I don't think it's as, you know, kind of emphasized with All-NBA as it is for like scoring title and gotcha. assist leader and things like that. Because I know for that <laughs> you have to have played a minimum amount of games. O.J. Ananobi just played his 58th game of the season. And that's why he's probably gonna be the Steel champion. Same thing with Damian Lillard. He played the fifty-eight games this season. Mm-hmm. He's eligible to be he's he's hit the minimums. I wanna confirm about all NBA before we do this. So give me give me a second. Let's if the if the producers at home can do the five minutes later SpongeBob <laughs> thing and, and and do this for us. One second. Let me let me figure this out. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. After uh, a couple of minutes of Googling, we, we figured, our, figured out our answer. Um, I, I, just, I mostly got confused because someone had mentioned that 58 number to me, and mm-hmm. I wasn't sure if it applied to All-NBA because I know it doesn't apply to MVP. It doesn't apply to Rookie of the Year. It doesn't apply to any of the other awards. Does it apply to the team award, if you will, in the All-NBA? So it doesn't, ladies and gentlemen. You do not have to have a minimum number of games played in order to be eligible for all NBA. That is something they are considering, though, when it comes to the new CBA. They are thinking of adding that as a rule and maybe even making it the 58 that we're talking about. 58 only matters for scoring title, for steals, leaders, for rookie of the year, whatever you have it. So going back to that, that means we're screwed. (laughs) <laughs> that, that, that means that means jimmy uh, that means Kawhi that means kd that means Braun, all those guys are more than eligible to be all nba players which makes this very tough very yeah. very very tough um and it makes it so that guys like pascal probably end up losing out on some money a lot of money yeah
1: yeah, yeah. i think that's probably that's probably what's gonna happen here
0: yeah uh quick news note before we end up heading out uh <laughs> someone reported I've been told that Andrew Wiggins is back in the Bay Area. He spent most of the town, most of the time in weeks. That was Jason Dumas. Dumas. Okay. He was a Philadelphia reporter. Uh, look, who knows? But bringing on, um, you know, bringing on the NBA and bringing on Andrew Wiggins back into the Warriors is such a huge thing, massive mm-hmm. thing. So very, very excited for that. Very, very excited for that. So, folks, ladies and gentlemen, after our kerfuffle, after figuring out how many games are played, what's eligible, which NBA award, all that fun stuff. We are down to the final week of the season. One more week left, and then we will know. We will figure it out. Who are the playoff matchups? Who are the play-in matchups? All that stuff will be decided. Will Lawrence Dallas Mavericks be playing a playing game, or will they be waiting on that 10th pick in the lottery?
1: They better be. my-
0: Will will the Toronto Raptors, will they be, you know, fighting for seven or eight? Or will they be fighting for nine or ten? We will know in the coming weeks. So thank you very much for tuning in to the Objective Basketball Podcast. We appreciate you guys, as always. Do the subscribing, do the liking, do the commenting. And we'll see you guys later. Take care. Follow. At just as Farahini on all socials and at the Lauren Gun on Twitter. The Objective Basketball Podcast. Delivering, Delivering the NBA, NBA to you
1: like, like no, no other. other.